Welcome to the Bluff Finance Podcast. My name is Eric Baskin, and I'm here today with an episode on seven financial planning lessons from TAP that members need to know now. So this episode comes about because I just went to TAP, the Transition Assistance Program that is DOD mandated for all members transitioning out of the military. I just went to that last week, and I definitely took some things away from it. I took a lot of notes, and specifically, I took notes on the financial planning section that I thought needed to be explained a little bit more and some important things that I think members need to know now and some topics that need to be reiterated throughout your military career, not just given to you through a fire hose at TAP. So just an overview of my experience at TAP. I thought the teachers were awesome for us. The information was really good. Uh, there's just too much of it in too little time. So it's, it's obviously a fire hose. And then there's, I think, especially when it comes to finances, there's no mention of advice, any anecdotes, any like guidance of what might be best. Everything was very vague, top level, you know, the company line, buy the book. They can't take really a stance on anything. And I think that's almost dangerous because they're giving you a lot of information that you don't know what to do with. So a lot of people will do nothing or maybe do the wrong thing. So I just wrote down some things that I thought needed to be explained a little bit better and I wanted to share them with you. So these are seven things. This episode will be a, a little bit of a fire hose. Each So we'll start off. Number one, life insurance. They talked about whole life versus term life like it was deciding whether to buy a hamburger or a hot dog at the stand or at the concession stand at a ball game. There was no acknowledgement that one is probably the right choice for families 99.9% of the time. That would be term life. There was not a lot of Emphasis on the fact that getting a term life insurance policy in place before transition, before separation or retirement, before you go down the VA disability claims process, which I'll also talk about in this episode, getting that in place before that is super, super important. When you go through the VA disability process, you may do things like a sleep study. You may go through things, other exams that unearth some medical problems that make you either uninsurable at worst or maybe just jack your rates up when you go to apply for a life insurance policy. So getting these things in place, not only to be covered throughout transition, obviously to have that continuity of coverage, but also to get insurance when you're younger and healthier. Uh, if you are three years away from transition, getting insurance now is probably going to be cheaper than getting insurance six months before you transition. So getting a proper term life insurance policy in place for 20, 30 years, however long you need it, however much you need, getting that in place earlier rather than later is super, super important from a cost perspective because BGLI is very, very expensive if you have to use that. And then if you have, again, if you have medical problems that come up, a term policy could become much more expensive than it needs to be. I'll add another quick note about life insurance. A lot of people are wrestling between term life insurance and SBP, their survivor benefit plan. And we can do a whole nother episode on this again. Intricacies are galore here, especially when you look at an individual situation. But in general, if there's a huge disparity in age or health, one member is maybe older, less healthy, especially if if that's a member that is with the pension, that's when the SBP probably makes more sense. When members are closer in age and health is not quite different. So members are both healthy, members are both in similar health. 
that's the kind of situation where term life insurance probably makes more sense. But there's a lot of numbers and other feelings behind that. Number two, disability insurance. Talked about disability policy and disability insurance at a high level, but they didn't mention uh, that you potentially wouldn't be insurable if you have a disability rating. So depending on, again, depending on what you're rated at, uh, you really might not be able to get a disability policy in the future. So again, you are, the stats are like one in four people will become disabled at some point during their working career. Uh, you're so much more likely to become disabled than you are to die. So, you know, if you're disabled and you have to miss work and you can't bring in income for your family, that's a problem. So disability insurance, super, super important. And nobody talks about this. This is probably the biggest gap in probably a lot of people's finances throughout the spectrum. But uh, specifically, I think military members, we are covered by the VA while we're in the military. Kind of if something happens to us, we've got the VA claims process. And I understand that. But then after you get out, you might submit a VA claim. You might not. You might get a rating. You might not. After you get out, your future income is unprotected, really, unless you have, unless you go work for Amazon and they've got a really nice cushy disability insurance policy. But something to remember, again, something they didn't talk about at the class, disability insurance. If you go work for a company and they say, hey, we're going to pay you 60% of your income if you get disabled. Awesome. What happens when you stop working for Amazon five years in? Your policy doesn't follow you, right? So now you are now unprotected again. So something to think about, I think, depending on your situation, depending on how much income you have coming in from passive sources, retirement, whatever it may be, um, do you maybe need your own disability insurance policy? I'll tell you for myself. Uh, Number three, there was no real advice given about the guard or reserve opportunities Honestly, it was it was really poorly presented. So we had a recruiter stand in front of us and pretty much say, hey, if you're interested, let me know and you'll get health care. Here's how much health care might cost on the outside if you have to pay for it for yourself. So really, their, their only sell was on the health care component. And I thought it was a they did a pretty poor job of selling it. I thought they did a bad job of on both sides, honestly, of trying to convince people to sign up. And I thought they did a really bad job of maybe presenting, uh, you know, the negative. I did a blog post on this recently. And basically what it boiled down to is the reserves and the guard are a better deal, the deeper you are into your career. So if you're a 14 year major, it's probably worth your time to finish out and do six more years in the reserves. If you are a five year captain, right? Like myself, not doesn't make as much sense financially to do 15 years in the reserves in the guard. Again, you need to compare your individual circumstances, how far you'll have to travel, how much of a pain it'll be to do your duty, and compare that with how much your healthcare would cost with your company, or if you're an entrepreneur, or if you know, there's a lot of factors here. But they didn't they they pretty much made the sell of healthcare. Hey, you get TRICARE for reserves without any without a lot of comparisons and the positive or negative to give people a framework around to make this decision. They didn't really talk about the pension when you turn 60. They didn't talk about TRICARE for life. They, didn't, they, they really didn't talk about a lot of this stuff. So it was a poor presentation of the guard and reserve. Number four, VA disability, huge one. So they talked about this quite a bit. Uh, but again, when you're talking to people at TAP that have been in the military anywhere from three, four to 17, 18, 19, 20 plus years, and you're telling them about VA disability, I mean, that's great that they can 
get with the VSO and file a claim. But if they haven't been documenting their medical issues for the last however many years, uh, they're going to have a very difficult time potentially claiming disabilities. So I, I tell this to everyone I talk to now because I'm going through it myself. VA disability, claim or go to the doctor if you have ailments, if you're sick, if you have things that hurt in your body, go go be seen. Not only to get the medical care that you pay for, right? You don't pay for it, but you do pay for it with your hard work and your dedication and your service, but also to document what has happened to you while you're in service so that when you separate or retire, you're able to file a VA disability claim for anything that's happened to you. Uh, Everyone has a different opinion on this. What you should be doing is going to get what you legally deserve. So if you have something wrong with you, it's a legitimate medical issue. You put in a claim for that. You tell the truth. You don't lie. I'm never saying to lie. But telling the truth and getting what you are legally entitled as far as a VA disability claim is, I think, your duty to your family, to be honest. If you're not doing that, if you're not doing your diligence and seeing what you can get and filing a claim, if you've been to the doctor for anything while you're in the military, you are doing your family a disservice. So get with your VSO and file a claim when it comes to, that's your veteran service officer. So I've got a link here on how to go do that, but every base has one or most bases have them. Um, We've got a really good one here, right, Pat? But um, really the to-do here, understand VA disability. It is worth so much money, anywhere from 200 a month to potentially over $4,000 a month, depending on how many dependents you have, tax-free forever. So understanding what you may qualify for and then being seen for things while you're in service and then properly filing a timely claim, a BDD claim, benefits, delivery, a discharge. That's what you want to do. So I'll put a link in the show notes to that. But anyways, VA disability, too little, too late, I thought. Okay, VA healthcare eligibility. No one knows about this. Everyone kind of just knows there's like a VA facility out there. No one really knows how you go get care there or when you might be eligible. But basically, if you have a 10% rating or above, you get care, free care only for your service-connected disability ratings. If you have a 50% VA rating or above, you get free healthcare for anything just for you. And if you have a hundred percent rating, uh, your family, you and your family get free healthcare at a VA facility. This may or may not make any sense for you based on location, health issues, access to healthcare. Um, if your family is on, like, let's say I get a 50% rating and then my family is on a different plan. That might not make sense for me just going to different doctors. I, you know what I mean? You're going to have to weigh whether that makes sense to to go get seen at the VA, but it's, it's free. If you're, again, if you're at those thresholds, you might as well enroll in it because more coverage isn't going to hurt you. Okay. Next number six, education benefits. These were not well explained to be honest. So the things here that I think are important, strange accrual schedule, 50% after three months of service, 90 days. And then I, and then it's much harder. It's like 60% after six months. And I don't know off the top of my head, but all the way up to hundred percent at three years. That doesn't start till after your ROTC or service academy commitment, if that is applicable to you. Uh, a four-year active duty service commitment to transfer it to your beneficiaries. This is fairly well known, but I think this could still be better communicated. I've still talked to folks at 17, 18, 19 years that were thinking about doing that and understand now that all of a sudden 
oh, this would be another four years for me if I'm going to transfer this. So that's, that's kind of an important thing to know uh, earlier rather than later. So the beneficiaries have to be in DEERS. And then you want to allocate at least one month of benefits to each of the beneficiaries. You don't want after you do that, you do not want to take them down to 0%. That's something they said in class that I thought was helpful. Uh, for, so for the GI Bill, if you give all of your beneficiaries uh, 10 months, uh, let's just say, or let's say 36, 36 divided by four. So nine months. Let's say you have four kids, give them all nine months. If you took one of them down to zero and then wanted to give that, that beneficiary more years, you'd technically be insert, incurring service commitment. So that, that, was, that was something that was, I think, important to know. Uh, other important things, yellow ribbon schools can pick up 100% of the tuition. So if you apply to Northwestern, apply to Harvard, apply to any of these schools that are really expensive private schools, and you are 100% GI Bill, if you're on a 100% GI Bill, you can get the rest of your tuition picked up. So pretty cool, pretty cool program, yellow ribbon schools. So, so Google that. Um, you can get E5BAH to attend any school. So like, this is really applicable for me. I'll, I'll use myself as an example. I have a bachelor's and I also have a master's. So I'm pretty good on education. However, I'm going to have 50% of a GI bill when I separate this fall. So someday, if I want to attend school to do something, I can do that and use the GI bill and I can get E5BH to attend whatever school for classes and something that I'm interested in. So just, just good to know. If you are 100% disabled, each dependent can get up to 36 months of benefits. That was really interesting, I thought. So usually it's 36 months just for you for the GI Bill. If you're going to transfer it, right, you have 36 months of benefits. But if you're 100% disabled, each dependent can get that 36 months of benefits. So super interesting. Uh, 702 Choice Act. This was interesting too. Uh, if you are on the GI Bill, this act mandates for all public schools that you will get in-state tuition at those schools. So that was an interesting one as well. I'll put a resource for that. And then Veterans VRE, you might hear it be called Veterans Readiness and Employment Services for Veterans with Disabilities. So if you're at least 10% disabled with a severe employment impairment or at least or 20% disabled with some employment impairment, you can apply for this program and they can pay up to 100% of your tuition. So I think this is a little known fact and certain disabilities are going to qualify for this, others won't. And it really depends on your situation. So do your homework here. I'll put a resource to this as well. So that's education. Number seven, VA loan. There's no mention of it not being for everyone. So I thought this was, this was key. Uh, they talked about the VA loan. They talked, they showed us a nice little pretty video of people that were becoming homeowners and they felt great and they could only do it because of the VA. And I acknowledge that the VA loan is an unbelievable program that is available to veterans. It allows people to be homeowners that would not be able to become homeowners. It does a lot of great things. However, there was no mention of the fact that it might not be for everyone at every time in your life. I think somebody finally in the class raised their hand, uh, an older gentleman that I think had, had done at least 20 years, and he kind of said, like, hey, I just put 60% down on, on my new house. Like, the VA loan's great, but you shouldn't be relying on this your whole career. And he's right. That's like, that's what I, I tell people. The VA loan's awesome. But to continue to rely on it means you're continually buying houses with 0% down or less than 20% down, right? But I'm going to assume, let, let's assume 0% down. 
and you're going to have no equities in these houses and you're just going to be paying 100% interest. You're actually probably paying more than 100% because you're probably rolling in the funding fee into the loan. So anyways, we'll do a whole episode on VA loans, but there was no mention of like, they take longer to close. Typically, a lot of sellers are probably going to accept cash and conventional offers over VA most of the time. Um, again, it's an, it's an amazing tool early on and for the right person. But you also need to take, I think, things like interest rates into account. I think VA loans with 0% down made a little bit more sense when interest rates were lower. But now that interest rates are at 5 6%, I think putting money down and avoiding every dollar you can avoid of that interest rate is a pretty pretty compelling return to me. So VA loans, uh, the other key here is funding fees are waived for veterans that have service-connected disabilities of at least 10%. So that's, that's another key one. Um, but, but VA loans, obviously heavy, heavily used in the military. We'll do a whole episode on those. They are great, but they're not for everyone at every point in time. So that is the seven lessons from TAP that I think members need to know right now and things that need to be communicated and reiterated to members throughout their career, not just at transition. So would love to hear your thoughts. Please let me know if you have any questions, but I will be back next week with another episode and thank you for being here. Thanks.